0: Welcome, everybody, on Zoom in person, on Facebook Live. Double Parsha this week, Matos Mase. Obviously, a regular Parsha, you have a lot to talk about. A double Parsha, which when these two are read together, they form the longest. There's even more to talk about. We're going to focus in on one specific Topic this evening. I titled it on the sheets, "Our Greatest Teacher." Anyone have a guess as to what our greatest teacher is? So Jim said, "Failure," which is correct. Mistakes are mistakes. There's an interesting article here, which was it's about six years old. The title is, "We We Betray Our Children by Making Them Afraid." To fail, and the article goes through. It's an interesting study that was done. um, West Point, the training academy for aspiring army officers in the U.S. Uh, The opening weeks. The article describes that the opening weeks of training are deliberately tough. There are physical, psychological challenges, including grueling marches, carrying heavy weights. Batteries of tests of reasoning and intellect. And many find the going so tough that they drop out. That's what it goes along to say. There was a lady in 2004, psychologist Angela Lee Duckworth. She tried to find out whether she could measure something called the grit of new recruits. Her questionnaire had little of the sophistication of the WCS, which is the whole candidate score. It was a five-minute survey asking respondents to rate themselves from one to five on 12 statements, such as, setbacks don't discourage me, and I finish whatever I begin, one to five. And the results were clear, she writes. The grit rating was significantly superior predictor of getting through the West Point than the WCS, the whole candidate score. And clearly what the test showed was those who rated higher in terms of setbacks don't discourage me. I finish whatever I begin. Those types of questions were the ones that were going to succeed. And she writes a very, or the article writes something that's very important to highlight. And again, how we are affected by society, how we are affected by what we see, what we read, what social media pictures we may be exposed to where we think, oh, wow. When you look at, let's say, the Forbes 400 the Forbes 500, the wealthiest people, the billionaire list. So we're like, ah, wow. Yeah, some of those people didn't have to work a day in their life. right? They they really didn't. They inherited the money and that is such. But as they write over here, the problem is that we live in an X-factor culture. It is constantly insinuated, not just on TV, but across popular culture, that the super talented are propelled to stardom overnight. It is all about instant success and gratification. But if kids think success happens effortlessly for the truly gifted, why would they bother to persevere when they hit challenges and difficulties? Won't they assume that they don't have what it takes, they'll give up? Which is why everybody wants to be the next millionaire not the only reason. This is definitely a part of it. It used to be a honor, a medal of success. Obviously not a medal, but I'm just if you stayed at a job for your entire career and then you retired, that was something where people looked up to you in, in, in reverence and awe. Like, wow, you worked your entire career. Yes, obviously you got promotions. You got raises. You gave it your all, but you stuck with it. Nowadays, I think the average uh, uh, millennial may stay on a job for two years, two and a half years, and then you move on. I think a big part of it is because everybody wants to be that next successful person. What they don't realize is it doesn't happen overnight. The people who built the huge companies, if you go ahead and ask them how many times did they fail, How many times were were they on the brink of giving up? They'll tell you many. It wasn't instant. It took years and years, many living out of their cars, whatever, to be able to make sure that it happened. And that is something that's extremely important where not only can we not be afraid to fail but when we do fail, how do we view our mistakes? Do we learn from them? Or do we continue to repeat them? All of the mistakes that are made that we never learn from, history continues to repeat itself. We may, there may be slight nuance of a difference in terms of, yeah, it wasn't exactly like this when it happened a hundred years ago, but it's very similar. Same mistakes are made, same mentality, and we end up repeating the same exact thing. When there's a certain level of resilience, when there's a certain level of ready to grow, which means A, being okay with failure. And then when it comes time where I do fail, which we all are going to, Do we view the mistakes as, as I've called them, our greatest teachers? Or do we kind of shy away from them? Do we kind of avoid them? Do we kind of not really listen to them? And we continue on a path that we may feel that it's, yeah, this is where it's going to be. But we're going to end up making the same mistake. And the article ends off with a great paragraph. Resilience, then, is not just about having an appetite for struggle, but also about the self-understanding that leads to growth and enlightenment. As the greatest philosopher, Karl Popper, put it, true ignorance is not the absence of knowledge, but the refusal of to acquire it. Part of acquiring that knowledge is learning from our mistakes. And where do we see that from? What in the world does this have to do with the Parsha? Let's delve in a little bit. The bottom of source two, the second portion that we will read the Shabbos Parsha's Masay. The Torah tells us as follows. Masa Israel. This is chapter 33 in the book of Numbers. Chapter 33 verse 1. The Torah says, Elamas ben Israel, these are the travels of the Jewish people. Asher Yatumar to when they left the land of Egypt beyond Moshe of Aaron by the hand of Moses and Aaron, Moshe and Aaron. These are the travels. And the Torah goes on to list 42 travels from the time that they left Egypt until now. They're on the brink of entering the land of Israel. They traveled 42 stops in the desert and the Torah goes through and lists all of them. Not just list them, but a lot of the names where the Torah describes were where tragedy happened, where the Jewish people sinned. And Rashi says as follows, what is the point of listing all the travels? Who cares? If you go ahead, I just did a a, a trip to New York. We drove. So if I go ahead and tell you, oh, how was the trip to New York? Oh, well, well, let me tell you. First, we drove through this county, and then we drove through that county, and then... We turned right on this highway and then we passed this county and that county and this county and that. You look at me like, why do I care? Why are you telling me how was a drive from Louisville to New York? That's all I care about. Where you stopped, what route may be the route so I know traffic, avoid, okay, fine. But to start listing off the counties and where I stopped for gas, it's irrelevant. Rashi explains as follows. Different explanations were, one of them that Rashi gives is as follows. It's in English, bottom of page two. He says as follows. Mashallah he gives a parable to a king. His son was sick. And he had to take his son very far to get healed. Not everybody in their local place has the proper means. So, you got to go to the specialist, and that specialist happened to be very far. Came and show you, Chodron, the son got better. The doctor healed him. They're on their way back, they're traveling. Hiskel of Immonet called The father began to tell the son all their travels. From when they left the palace until they got to the hospital, he started telling them, Oh, over here, Kanyashin, over here, you slept for a very long time. Over here, you had a really bad fever. Over here, you had this. Over here, you had that, so on and so forth. That is a parable. That is a parable Again, again. Now, with any parable, we have to explain what in the world does this have to do. Very nice, okay, you give a parable to explain this concept, why we listing off the travels. So, so far, we've got the story. Father and a kid, the kid is sick, they're traveling along, and as on the way back after the kid is healed, the father's telling him all the different places places they stopped at because something happened with their son. So the Bartanura, one of the great, not the wine, but the wine comes from where he was from, one of the great Toso's commentaries, he explains what the actual parable is because Rashi doesn't finish off with what we're trying to learn from it. How does this answer the question? And he says as follows. He says, we the Jewish people were that sick son. When we were in the land of Egypt, we were seeped in idol worship. We were involved with other sins. We were on the 49th level of impurity. We were extremely distant from God. God took us out of Egypt, brought us to Harsinai, Mount Sinai to give us a Torah and brought us throughout the desert to heal us from these sins and to teach us Torah. So we were so low in the land of Egypt, God brought us to Mount Sinai to give us a Torah and took us on a journey in the desert to teach us a Torah, to heal us, to remove the idol worship and the stains of the previous sins that we have done. Says the Bartonur, now that we're coming back, what does that mean? Now that we're close to entering into the land of Israel and to reach the level that our patriarchs were once were, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, where the Shechina, God's presence, was revealed to them constantly. We have now attained such a level, we are on a level of holiness as we are about to the Jewish people. On the brink of entering the land of Israel, we have now attained a level. We have been healed. Not only have we been healed, but we have grown. We have attained a level the level of the patriarchs, Avram, Mitzvah, and Yaakov. Now, the Bar says, now the Torah begins to tell us all the different travels. Meaning, this sin happened over here. Over here was the episode of the golden calf. Over here was the spies. Over here was the daughters of Midian. Over here was Amalek. Over here you complained about the meat. Over here you wanted to indulge in your physical pleasures. He starts going through, the Torah starts going through all of these. As hints. To go ahead and tell us where the mistakes were, what ended up happening, so we can learn from them. There's an element of doing it so we can appreciate the miracles that God did for us. But it's as well here, the bartender is telling us to recount the sins. Don't think that you started out here and now you're over here that it happened like that. There were a lot of mistakes along the way so we could learn from them, so we could remember those mistakes and how we grew from it. So now when we enter into the land of Israel, we can continue to avoid those mistakes, understand where we went wrong, and if we make the same mistake, to grow from it. That's why the Torah specifically listed off the trambles. It's not to be annoying. It's not to go ahead and be so detailed to tell you which county they went through. But it's the specific points where the mistakes may have happened so they are able to learn for the future. My Rashiver of Libo has asked the following question. The Gemara, the Talmud, tells us that there's something called Onaz Mamon Which means I can't hurt you monetarily. I can't overcharge. I can't do things that hurt you financially. And then there's onas devarim, hurtful words. (laughs) And the Gemara asks, which is worse? Which is worse? And the Gemara ends up giving a bunch of different answers. All of them say that hurtful words are worse than hurtful money, whether you could return the money. not going to stay with you forever, a lot of different explanations as to why. Bottom line is it's forbidden to hurt somebody with words, and what are the examples that the Gemara gives? First and foremost, you can't say to some, "Ah, I remember when you used to do this, you think you're so religious, you think you're so honest, you think you're so this, do you not remember what you used to do? Do you not remember the life that you used to live? It is forbidden to say that to somebody else. You can't bring up their past. That's hurtful words. How is the Torah allowed to do this? If the whole point is to remind us of our past mistakes, how is the Torah allowed to do that? It's forbidden. And my Rashiva explained that there are two possibilities as to why or how it's said when I bring up one's past mistakes. There's the mocking tone. That is forbidden. For you to start, you you, holier than thou, you. When said in such a way, when you're mocking, that's forbidden. But there's a way to mention the past, the past mistakes that brings one much joy, that brings one much happiness. Where if somebody stops and says, look at where I was and look who I have become. Yes, where there are a lot of setbacks along the way, yeah, but that's what got me to become this person, the final product. And it's not final. We're always a work in progress, but that's who I have become now. When done in such a manner, that brings joy, a smile, happiness. For the person themselves, they're not embarrassed. That's when it's permissible. That's when it's permissible. That's why the Torah is allowed to do it. And when it's done in such a manner, when that appreciation is there of, look at where I was and look at what I have become, then to me, that is very much this article that we quoted from the beginning. We're going back way before to Rashi and the Bartonura. Why is that so? Because if I can appreciate, look at where I was and look at what I have become, that means that I understand mistakes, failure, is normal. It happens. And I understand that because of those mistakes, because of those failures, I was able to achieve. I was able to grow. I was able to develop that resilience to continue to push. There are so many times in our spiritual lives where we get very despondent, where we think, how am I ever going to overcome? How am I ever going to learn? How am I ever going to achieve whatever level I would like to achieve? To appreciate and realize it doesn't happen overnight. It's a constant struggle. Every little step is a victory. It's a battle. And yes, there are times that we fail, but the fact that I was end that I ended up able to overcome was because that mistake was my greatest teacher. I saw where I went wrong. I asked the question to my mentor, to the rabbi to find out the Torah's opinion Where I went off. What can I do to avoid this? That's because I understood. Mistakes are inevitable. It's what I do with that mistake. Is it a teacher? Or do I avoid it? Do I pretend it didn't happen? The Torah is teaching us the approach that we should have. Don't shy away from the mistakes. Don't try to throw them in the closet never to be opened up again. Where somebody looks at you and you feel you don't express or anything. You're that perfect person. Never do anything wrong. Never failed anything like that. The more we are okay with making a mistake and understanding that they're our greatest teacher, we'll have such a healthier approach to life. When we're faced with that setback, yes, it will be tough. Yes, there are tremendous challenges, but it's not going to be this overwhelming feeling of paralyzed. I can't move forward. Because the Torah is telling us how to properly view a mistake. And it is such an important concept to instill within our children. For them to know That you have made mistakes. Children look at their parents as, you know everything. Because in their eyes, every question that they have, you give them an answer. So as they're younger, they look up to you as, you know everything. Mommy, dad, they never make a mistake. Obviously, you don't have to share your deepest, darkest secrets with your children, but to at least allow them to be aware that you have also made mistakes and you'll continue to make mistakes. It's the approach that we have to them that will differentiate how we go ahead and move on from them. Are they okay and are they our greatest teachers? But it's a tremendous challenge. It's a tremendous challenge because when we make that mistake, there are times that it could be paralyzing. There are times that we feel that you have done something so wrong that I just can't move on. And we see that from none other than one of the greatest people to ever walk the face of this earth, Aaron, Aaron, the, the first Cohen Gadol, the high priest. The bottom of page 3, the Ramban, Nachmanides, in Leviticus, chapter 9, verse 7. And Parsha Shemini at the dedication or the inauguration of the tabernacle. So God tells Moshe, Aaron, you, it's your time now. You're about to offer the first sacrifice. And Moshe tells him, Krav El come close to the Mizbeach, the altar. And all the commentaries are bothered by what exactly is this language of come close to the altar? What Moshe has to tell you? That? Just say come to the altar. Like, come close to the altar. Hey, go to the altar, Aaron, and do your job. The Ramban Nachmanides tells us as follows. That Aaron saw in the Mizbeach, the altar, Ketavne sure that it had the appearance. There was some kind of something there, whether it was the pole or whatever, that had the appearance of an ox. V'hu misyari m'imenu, he was very afraid. Therefore Moshe went over to him and said, "Aaron, achi, Aaron, my brother, lo mimasha'ata, misyari, I see. Don't be afraid with what you're afraid about. I see that it looks like an ox. God wants you to come close to this altar. Why did Moshe have to say that? Because Moshe understood, as Nachmanides says, because Aaron was so holy. The cohen Gadol, the high priest, the Ain Zulasi the only sin that Aaron did that he had on his conscience was the golden calf. The sin of the golden calf, which even that, he didn't condone what happened, he had noble intentions. This sin was etched in stone in his thoughts. It was always in front of him. And then when he saw that the altar had this appearance as such, like an ox, he couldn't go near it. He couldn't go near it because there was, how can I go ahead and ask for forgiveness? Which the tabernacle was part of the forgiving process of the golden calf. Look at what I see. I can't go ahead and do that. To which Moshe said, God wants you to do this. God wants you to go ahead and offer on the sacrifice. Aaron was an extremely healthy in terms of emotionally individual. He was somebody who was one of the greatest people to ever walk the face of this earth yet. A mistake that he made was so paralyzing, it overtook him that Moshe had to say to him, no, 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 I see what you see and that's not the message. God wants you to go ahead and offer this sacrifice. To appreciate, yes, on the one hand, as we mentioned, that mistakes are bound to happen to appreciate that they are our greatest teachers but at the same time don't fool ourselves to think that that's always going to be my approach don't fool ourselves to think that i made a mistake and i'm just going to move on from it there are times as we see from our own that it is extremely difficult to do that it could be etched in our mind forever yes we do so many so it's hard to pinpoint one specific That may be etched in our mind for Aram, who only did that one. So yes, it was easy for him to always focus on it. But if we stop and think on our lives, there are some mistakes that we beat ourselves up about, more than others. Some we don't even pay attention to. But others, we really kick ourselves, how could I have done that? This really set me back We replay it in our mind. I'm going to come pray to God. I'm going to study Torah. I'm going to come do this when I just did that. There are those that we continue to replay. To understand that, yes, it could be paralyzing. But at the same time, to appreciate that they are our greatest teachers. To ask ourselves, where, why did I make that mistake? What mindset, mind frame was I in that got me to have, was I depressed that day? Was I uh, uh, angry? Was I jealous? Did I just want to pursue whatever I wanted to pursue? Whatever it may have been to ask ourselves those questions, to delve, to see, and we'll be able to grow from it because, hey, when I was like that, you know, this is what I'm going And when we make those mistakes. It's extremely important. To frame it as well. To be able to move on from that paralyzing fear. The Torah tells us. The second mistake. That ever happened in this world. Genesis chapter 4 verses 6 and 7. Cain and Abel. And I may have mentioned this many times, but it's a fundamental, sworn concept that we should really replay every single day of our lives. Cain kills Abel. God comes to him. He's on the ground. Cain is on the ground. He's very upset. And God says to him, God says to Cain, Why are you so angry? Why you fall on your face? God says, "Hello, That if you do right, if you go on the correct path, then you'll, you'll, you'll go on the good path. But if you don't, then sin is going to continue to be with you. The Sworno comments and says, What was God asking? Why are you angry? He says... God says, why are you angry? Why should you be angry? Look at what your brother did. He did something that was appropriate. Why are you angry at that? I didn't do anything to show favoritism. It was a very simple equation. But then, why do you fall on your face? The Sforno says as follows. When we do something wrong, when there's a disgrace when we have committed something, when there's a way to fix it, there are some things maybe that are unfixable. But most of the time when we do something wrong, there's a way to fix it. Whether it's with somebody else or it's within ourselves. There's a way to fix it. Ein <laughs> Amasha It's not proper to be pained on the past. But what's appropriate is to figure out how to fix it. What's done is done. What we have done in the past is the past. Yes, we should stop and think about it. Because that's the only way to be able to figure out how to fix it in the future. But to dwell on it, God tells Cain, he says, why are you on your face? There's an easy way for you to fix it. Look at the sacrifice that he brought. Go ahead and do the same. When there's a way to fix something, we have to do everything that we can to try to attain it. And the only way that we could do that is first, Admitting to ourselves that there was a mistake and not shying away from it. Using it to be our greatest teacher. Experience is greater than anything else. You can read all the books in the world. Ask any business person. You can read all the books in the world on how to build a business, how to grow a business, anything like that. But When they go ahead and tell you, I made the same mistake as you're about to do, listen to me move on from this or avoid this or avoid that. Dave Ramsey, financial guru, at least for me, yes, his whole method and everything works. But how did he develop that method? He's the first to tell you. He's the first to say, I had this much money, and then all of a sudden it's gone. And that's what makes him relatable. That's what makes him great in terms of the profession that he does. Because he doesn't shy away. He utilized his mistake to be able to grow and help others. So too with each and every one of us. Mistakes are not something that we should throw in the closet. Mistakes are not something that we should try to never admit to, or when speaking to somebody else, to hold ourselves as a holier-than-thou as, ah, I never made that mistake. Realizing that they're our greatest teacher is what's going to help us grow. It's going to help us, as Aswarno said, attain, reach, the fixing for the future. Because without that, without admitting the mistake and then realizing they're our greatest teacher, we're never going to be able to. We're just going to go on that treadmill making the same mistake over and over and over again. Because we refuse to learn from that. The Torah is teaching us the proper approach to mistakes. Yes, they could be paralyzed. If it happened to our own, it could happen to each and every one of us. But at the same time, to understand that those mistakes, those notches on our belt, well, only, they only become notches on our belt if we appreciate it and utilize the mistake, the greatest teacher that each and every one of us can have. Any comments or questions? Thank you, everybody, for joining us this evening. Have a wonderful night.